Hey guys, Ryan Dement, True Podcast. I hope you're having a great day. I first want to start off and say thank you, thank you, thank you. Our downloads are coming back. Our communication and our conversations are starting to come back. This is week eight of putting out the podcast. I know we have more work to be done. If you guys have topics, comments, concerns, tips, tricks, whatever, share them with me. I am totally open and totally down with making stuff better because I'm learning on this journey with you. And I thank you guys for coming along. And I promise you that I will not waste your time. And I'll bring the facts. I'll bring the data. And you guys can interpret it how you want to at that point. So let's get right into it. So I wanted to figure out what the average income is for the United States, and I couldn't find anything very accurate. So I went to FRED, and FRED is the Federal Reserve Economic Data Platform that they use, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can figure out what I'm using. So basically, from 2019, I couldn't find anything that was reliable for 2020 or 2021, so I'm going with what I can prove uh, and back up. So in 2019, household income was $68,703, which is roughly $5,725 pre-tax or gross, which I wanted to figure out how much could somebody making the $68,000 a year afford in a home. I took 28% DTI, debt to income, and that came out to $1,603 which equates to $375,000 in a purchase price, which we all know that's just P, principal and interest, excuse me, and it does not include homeowner's insurance, taxes, and all that fully loaded numbers that are in there, and potentially you could have PMI in there, private mortgage insurance, if you don't put 20% down. So at $375,000, if you're making almost $70,000 a year, With the average home costing Americans $363,000, approaching $365,000, you're saying, ah, yeah, that's good. You know, they can can take care of it. But the one thing that we don't talk about or we're not discussing is what are markets doing across the nation? Some some markets in some cities, you're seeing people bidding $50,000, $60,000, above. And then some markets... You're seeing houses sit on market for 30, 40, uh, 30 to 45 days with very little price reductions. Here in Phoenix, personally, I can tell you because I'm out talking to people, asking questions, the new home builders are propping the market up by slowing down their production, not releasing houses until they're almost built, and they've built up a backlog of home buyers. In the community that I'm in, it's sold out, and they're, they're building another community down the road. There's almost 100 people that are waiting to buy homes, and those homes are starting closer to $400,000. Um, that's about $135,000 more than what I paid for mine, and we're only talking 12 months ago. So... The one, th- the, one, the one caveat in all this that people are not really looking at, and it's a little sneaky on the new home, the, the new home builders, 
is in their financial reports, they talk about slowing down production and propping up prices and how they keep it artificially high is by creating the demand or an artificial demand by, by putting people on wait lists. And then that wait list grows and they're like, oh, you're number 62 out of 100. And then instead of doing auctions, they're doing blind bids to where you have to submit your best and final offer and it has to be above asking price. How much longer are we going to be in a FOMO state to where we don't finally say, okay, this has got to slow down and things have to change? There's two camps out there, guys. One camp says the market's going to continue to go north, prices will continue to go north, and the market won't slow down anytime soon because market demand, home buyers like us are around, and there's such shortage of housing that we need to catch up from 40 years ago. The other side says, holy crap, this is way too hot. It's crazy. And we're going to get in a bubble and we're going to have another meltdown like the 2008 uh, downturn. Well, where am I? I'm in the middle. The market will correct. I can't tell you if it's going to correct 10 or 15% or 2% or 1%. The market can't continue to go north because you're pricing such a large segment of home buyers out of the market. And I'll share some more data on that. But a CNBC article I found showed that 48% of millennial and Gen Xers basically said, hey, I can't afford a house. And I don't think I ever will be able to afford a house because they're so expensive. Now, millennials are, you know, the biggest group of people coming up and they are larger than the baby boomers. I'm a Gen Xer and, you know, I'm in a house, you know, I've always thought about buying a house and owning one is, you know, a great thing. Millennials are are been late to the party and now they're stating, you know, saying that, Hey, I want to come to the party and buy a house, but I can't. And I'm afraid I won't be able to, but, but, by the way, I'm strapped with student loan debt. I'm strapped with credit card debt. I'm strapped with a car payment. They have a lot of debt, unfortunately. And that, that's also going to slow them down too. But what I want to circle back around to is if you're making $68,000 a year, you can afford a house roughly of 375000 give or take. I'm not a mortgage broker, nor do I play one. Just a guy on my podcast giving you guys the data and letting you guys interpret it yourself. What about if you're making $50,000 a year? Bringing home $4,100, $4,200 roughly gross means you can afford roughly about $273,000 home. Now you're below the three three hundred sixty three thousand. Now I know every market's different. Every every city, state, county, all different. I get it. There's there's there are a bunch of housing markets. I got it. But I have to look at the bigger picture. Here in Phoenix, two hundred seventy three thousand dollars buys you a teardown in a very bad neighborhood that you have to find a way to fix back up. I don't I don't see how first time home buyers can actually survive 
in this marketplace and majority of millennials are going to be first-time home buyers. I don't know the percentage I looked, but I, I just didn't find it and I didn't want to give you data. I'm just telling you it's, I can tell you that it's, it's significant, but I'll back the data up and I'll, and I'll get that. So you can't live in the neighborhood you want to live in. You can't buy the house you want to buy. So what do you do? You continue to rent. And then there's another problem. Rents are going up. Rents have increased nationwide over 20% in the last year. And it could be because of the pandemic. It can be the housing shortage. It could be a lot of different things. But they're up. And like I've talked about before, the house across the street rented for almost 25% higher than what a mortgage on that house would have cost. One, because the landlord bought the house at the very top of the market or very top at the time. And it looks like houses have sold for more than that. And how else are they supposed to make any type of money? They've got to charge a very high amount of rent. Well, guess what? The market will correct on rentals too. And charging 25% above market rate there's going to be a certain point in time where that'll that'll die out and that person's going to have to rent that house for uh, a loss and that'll come in some time in the future can't continue to stay above market rate 25% can they do it for the next several years probably but there'll be a correction in that too but the one other thing that we hear about but we we I don't think we put a lot of credence into it is the hedge funds have been on a huge buying spree of single family residents for the last several years. Some are buying 10, 15, 20,000 a year. What are they doing? They're buying, they're not getting any deals. They're buying them at the top of the market. I've got four hedge funds in my development that have bought houses here and I've checked the prices. They're buying them well north of what I bought them for. And they're also renting them for for much higher. Well, guess what's going to happen when the market turns the other direction? They will dump their inventory. Because what are they chasing? ROI, return on investment. They have investors that they've raised billions of dollars for. And if they're not getting a certain percentage out of a portfolio of homes, they're going to dump them and they'll sell them and liquidate. Depending on what market you're in, it could soften the market. Some markets, it might help with inventory. It might stabilize. It just depends where you're at. But we don't talk about these factors when it goes about when it comes to the market and which direction it's going. There's so many other levers that we can pull and go back and forth with. And having the discussion and and really understanding how the market goes i think is key and it's critical but being in one camp or the other the market will continue to go north or the or it's going to crash i think is short-sighted and one other good piece of data that i'm coming across is you still have 1.6 million households in the mortgage forbearance program. 
And then you've got anywhere, depending on where you look and get your data from, anywhere from another 5 million to 7 million homes that are past due on rent, more than 90 days, and they're facing eviction. What percentage of those are going to actually come to fruition and be evicted and come to the market? I don't know. I did a video the other day on uh, the rental assistance programs that are out there from the federal government. There's $55 billion out there, and only a, a drop of it has been dispersed to the states. But a lot of renters haven't actually gone out and got that money. It's free money to get you back on your feet. You just have to do the work and qualify. And I don't know how many people are going to do the work and qualify. But I can tell you this. I went through an application for uh, Phoenix, Maricopa County. And it's not very hard. You just have to get all the data together. You have to prove who you are, where you live, how much is your income, and how far behind are you on your rent. And in Maricopa County here in Phoenix, they'll even help you with your uh, utilities. So you get a, you get double support. But I couldn't find out exactly how much, if there's a cap or not, because I didn't, I'm not going to fill out my information because I'm just clogging up the system. Um, they, everything on their website stated that it didn't look like there was a cap, but I don't know. So, I mean, in, until somebody goes through it and shares that information, I, I don't know. I, I, the, reason, the whole reason why I did that uh, video was I had people reach out and ask about it. And I said, okay, you know, I'll share the information, what I can do. You just got to do the work and follow up with me. I'd love to hear your experience and what happened. So I'll be in contact with those people during the week or next week. And hopefully I'll have an update here soon with those individuals. So... Back to the CNBC article I found, their headline, 48% of renters worry they won't ever be able to buy a home. And you boil it down to Gen X, 41 to 55 years old, and millennials, 25 to 40. 55% of Gen X renters and 52% of millennial renters are worried about their prospects of homeownership. And I read further down, this is from LendingTree. It was an online survey, polled 2,050 U.S. consumers from August 2nd to August 6th, and the firm has never done this survey. So we don't have any backstory or any data to back it up. 48% seems awfully high. But I don't know for sure. You tell me, is 48% high? I mean, that, that seems high to me. But they don't give a lot of data and a lot of information. As you guys know, I like digging into the numbers and understanding what's going on. It's just here it is. Here's the numbers and bada bing, bada boom. The other article that I came across is from Fortune. It says homebuyers just got more good news. And they're talking about... Um, housing market the, in the housing market the actual volumes are up so say uh from realtor.com shows the number of homes available for sale inched up five to 5.7 percent in august that follows 8.8 percent and 10.4 inventory gains respectively in june and july 
since bottoming out this spring, inventory is up 30%. I'm trying to figure out where they got 30% from. Um, when you read the article, it, it doesn't give you very much, but they do talk about why is inventory rising, and they do give you an idea that um, simply home buyers are pushing back at the unprecedented home price growth with prices up 23% since the onset of the pandemic. Some shoppers are opting to hold their fire. Some of it is seasonality returning to the market in the summer and fall. Would-be buyers get distracted by vacations and the restart of school. There's also a seller side. The prospect of cashing in on a record home prices are quite enticing. So that being said, I, again, I can't tell you. But they do touch the uh, forbearance piece that I discussed a little bit earlier. It says what's coming next, the mortgage forbearance program, which currently protects 1.7 million homeowners. Um... If I am correct, I did see the updated version. I'm pretty sure it says 1.6. Let's see, September 7th. Yes, 1.6. They're saying the percentage of homeowners in forbearance went from 3.25 to 3.23, which equates to 1.6 million homeowners. This was September 7th. When's this fortune? September 7th. So I don't know where they're pulling the data from for uh, fortune. But they're saying uh, some of those struggling buyers will opt to sell rather than restart their monthly payment. That's expected to translate into another uptick in inventory. Well, this is where we digress and I push back because if you look at the Mortgage Bankers Association breakdown in the middle of their article, which covers June 1st, August 29th, you have 28.4% resulted in a loan deferral of partial claim. Partial claim means, hello, that is going to be foreclosed on or they could do a deed in lieu. There is 15.9% borrowers who did not make all of their monthly payments and exited forbearance without a loss mitigation plan in place yet. So there's a there's a good chunk. So there's two chunks of of potential home homeowners that would be exiting the deferment program or excuse me, forbearance program without having any type of payment plans in place, which could lead to again foreclosure. Maybe they have equity in their house and they can sell it and they just said, forget it. And we're just going to roll the dice and sell it and worry about the past payments when I get the, the offer on the house. And then there's a smaller portion at the very bottom that says 1.4% result in repayment plans, short sales, deed and lose, or other reasons. So those are the hardcores. Those are, they basically said, okay, we're walking away, we're doing a short sale, we're doing a deed in lieu, or other reasons are truly foreclosure. So there's another wave just from this piece of the mortgage bankers data. How many of these will come to market? We don't know. I mean, if you're taking from Fortune, they're they're saying 
that a good portion will come to the market and be sold. Well, 15.9% and 28.4% resulted in a loan deferral, partial claim, and then exited uh, without making all their monthly payments, exited forbearance, and went in without loss mitigation. That's 33%, let's call it that way. So you're, you're talking, you know, a little shy of a mill, 750000 right around there. I'm just doing rough math. If all of those are underwater, which I don't think they are, then them selling them, I, I don't know. It, it would cause more problems than it's worth. They'll do a short sale. But if they're not, then, of course, they could sell them and, you know, pay everything back and be done. I just don't know how these are going to play out in the market since you guys know we're also in the note space and on a weekly basis we've been seeing increase in notes for sale. Um, rough guesstimate without, you know, because we see tens of thousands, uh, about a 20 to 25% increase. But a lot of them, and I say a lot of them, majority of them, haven't made payments since 2020, right around the beginning of the pandemic, March, April timeframe, maybe a little bit later. So these individuals are not equated or put into the number for Mortgage Bankers Association for, or for, for parents. So it's a missing number. I don't know how many of those are out there. I know from the census and the weekly report they put out, they lump in renters and homeowners together. And that population is a lot bigger, like I said, five to seven million. But again, I don't know how many of those are in forbearance, however many of those are renters versus homeowners. And we've done a prior podcast on breaking that down. I think it's 60-40 breakdown, but... Again, I'm grasping at numbers and I'm not going to do that. I'm just telling you there's there's a wave there that we will have some increased volume, but we're also going to have demand that's going to waver, that's going to come off. If we're going to slow down inflation and the core price index comes down, the Fed's going to have to start raising rates. And if they don't raise rates inflation is is going to go into double digits and i know everyone says oh yeah yeah yeah, it doesn't hurt us whatever start looking at the market now the cost of meat is already up six percent almost in a matter of a month from july to august dairy product is up four percent in a month fruits and vegetables up three percent in a month guess what there's other there's other things that are going to go up in price too, not just food. Gasoline's going to go up. Maintaining your car could go up. I mean, everything cuts into inflation cuts into everything that you buy. Your investments. Inflation cuts into that, especially if you're on a fixed income. It's not a good thing, and we need to be open and discuss it and, and know that this is coming. 
but also at the same time, I'm not also on the other side of saying, you know, the sky's falling either. I'd rather be prepared and say, there is going to be a downturn. I can't tell you how much, but things are going to change and we need to be prepared for it. If you're looking to buy a house now, maybe, maybe now is not a good time unless you get some type of smoking deal on a property. And I don't know how many of that are out there that are that way, but if you do, great. It has to be a dollars and cents, and if it doesn't make any, any sense, walk away. Wait, and once the time is right, and you can afford it, and you're not house poor, you buy. There's just a lot going on, and you have to break through the noise to understand where you're at and where the market's going. All right, guys, that's it for this week. I hope you guys have a productive week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Have those great conversations out there. Talk to people that don't share your same opinion. Discuss, enjoy, be enlightened, but don't tune people out and and don't pass on with hate. Be happy. We're all alive. We're all, we're all seeking the best life. We're all just trying to do the best we can. Have a great week. I'll see you guys on the other side. Be safe.